right, so we're back after a week off. Um, I'm sure we've been greatly missed. Padres had the opportunity to see some of the UK. He settled back in. We're back where we belong. Um, we had a night last Friday seeing Tail Gunner and the Dev, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's more of the same usual stuff. Check us out on the socials and all that jazz. All the links are on the podcast bio. Um, yeah, and tonight we're uh, we're we're sort of jumping on the Stranger Things bandwagon and talking all things eighties. But we'll uh, we'll we'll come to that in a little bit. Now that hopefully everybody has watched Stranger Things and we can get away with talking about it without without worrying about spoilers. But if you haven't watched it, you probably can't listen to this because you know. Yeah, we're not holding back. Just listen, or maybe, maybe, maybe stop listening now. Go and watch it, season four. Finish it, and then I haven't seen. I haven't seen season two, three, or four. You, you, you don't count. No, no. Listen, I, I, this is, this is exactly the kind of discrimination I've been talking about ever since this podcast started. If you criticize me and lambast me for saying, "Oh, you never." listen to anything past 94 why would you ever assume that it would be up to date on tv this is obviously <laughs> a character trait of mine like i mean i and I, I think you need to get with the fucking program here you know you clearly I, are getting I, with the program i am i am an oil tanker it takes me about six weeks to turn okay is, it takes me about not, is this not one of those situations where the tv show is is set in the 80s so you should naturally resonate towards it and therefore, should have watched it by now. It should be no, because not, no, no, it was on. It was if it was on VHS cassettes, I would have watched it by now. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> not just. It's not just the content of the show. It's its method of delivery. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to we'll, talk about it anyway. We won't talk it? about. We, we won't discuss the plot. We'll keep it simple. As we can do that. Yeah, we, we can try, but you know what? It'll probably be three years before you watch it anyway. So, no, because I'm actually watching it at the minute. I've been told by the wife I have to start watching it. So, oh, fuck's sake. Well, we're going to talk about it. Well, we, we, we're using it as an inspiration because it's topical. So, but we'll, we will come back to that a little bit later. Um, let's start off with what we've been listening to this week because, you know, maybe a bit of inspiration for tonight's topic of conversation. Um, Holy Man, what have you been listening to? Sodom, electrocution. And not not what you've been up to over the weekend. What you've been listening to? <laughs> Sodom, yeah. Procession to Golgotha, uh, cancer, tribal bloodshed part one, the conquest. Been listening to that again. Uh, Bathory, first album. Nice. Um, uh, a lot of testament. And um, but that's about it, really, because I've just been doing. Bit, you know, I've just been doing uh, bits and bobs, and re- you know, and also like for God's sake. Oh, Padre, sorry, it was your birthday on Wednesday. Happy birthday. No, you don't, you fuckers don't care, do you? I've already wished you happy birthday. Do it on the podcast. No. I didn't know. I don't check Facebook for people's birthdays anymore. I'm not interested in your excuses. Well. Happy birthday. Get them anyway. Yeah, so if if the entire world wants to join us in, in wishing the holy man a happy 56th birthday... Happy birthday. Okay, so going back to what you've been listening to, obviously you come home and you start rooting out stuff that you've thought you you know you had and go up in the loft and shit like that. Not that I've been up in the loft because most of the stuff's downstairs. The best rock album in the world ever. I just found it in the uh, <laughs> Okay, so going back to the, the previous episode of the podcast, we were talking about like what got us into 
rock and metal or metal music. But I think this this album, my, my dad got it for Christmas one year. Okay, the best rock album in the world ever. It's Virgin Records, 1994. What tracks do you reckon they put on this? Right, okay, I'll go first. Um, Wind of Change. No. Oh. You're a bit too far out with that one. I mean, go, go more obvious. Living on a Prayer. Not Living on a Prayer. That I began, I mean, think about this. It's like, this is a compilation record and things like Bon Jovi would probably, would probably have been out of their price range in terms of royalties or fees. Blue, Blue Oyster yeah. Cult. Yes. Um, don't Fear the Reaper. Good. Something by status quo. Um, yeah, Caroline. Ooh, Black that's Betty. That's left field. Not Black Betty, no. Really? No, not on there. This, this is a bit more obscure than I thought it was going to be. Because these, these are, there were a lot of these in the 90s, were they? I had one of the indie ones. Oh, loads. Yeah. Which, loads. which touched on a lot of Brit rock stuff and uh, stuff. Okay, like just to give you it. the kind of thing we, we, we should, uh, you should be angling for. Disc, because it's two discs. Disc yeah. one. Track one, Queen, We Will Rock You. Okay. Into yeah. Sandman? No, this is 94, so that would have been too recent. Oh, all right. Okay. So they're still, okay. It's got crazy, crazy way. nights. That's got Yes. On. Track two, Kiss, Crazy, Crazy Nights. Yeah, that, that has to be on there. Highway to Hell? No. No. Okay. Probably too expensive. Oh, oh. Um, from the Levi's ad, um, Stiltskin inside. Number five, still <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and the song that was at the same uh, around the same time, Lenny Kravitz. Um, are you going to go my way? Oh, you're going to go my way. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll just run through them quickly for you. Uh, number six, Run DMC featuring Aerosmith, Walk This Way. Absolutely. Number seven, Thin Lizzy, Boys Are Back yeah. in Town. What U two song do you think they put on there? Oh, either Pride in the Name of Love. Or... Yeah. yeah. Pride oh. in the Name of Love. Okay, Alice Cooper. Poison. Poison. School's out. Ah, oh, it's been one or the other one. Mate. ZZ Top. Legs. Give me all you loving. Give me all you loving. Okay, very cliched. Steppenwolf, Born to be yeah, Wild. Yeah. Number 13. <laughs> best intro to a song ever. The Cult, She's So Sanctuary. Oh, that, that's a touch of class. Give it yeah, that. yeah. Number 14. The Who, Won't Get Fooled Again. Uh, whatever. Mm. 15. Genesis, Mama. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic because the bloke, the bloke from Stiltskin joined Genesis after college. Yeah, yeah. 16. Yes. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Oh, June. 17. Boston. More than a feeling. Yeah. 18. The Kinks. All day and all night. 19. Meatloaf. I do anything for love. <laughs> I don't know why that's on there. <laughs> Disc two, because there's about eight, 19 tracks. Per disc, this too, Dire Straits, Money for Nothing. Of course. Roxy Music, Do the Strand. Really? Yeah, Peter Gabriel, Sledgehammer. I don't know why that's on there. Iggy, Iggy, Iggy Pop, The Passenger. Yeah. That was before. Now, these two tracks, these two tracks back to back, five and six, and I don't know if they did this deliberately, but if they did it deliberately, it's genius. Five, Hawkwind, Silver Machine. Ace of Spades. Track six, Motorhead, Ace of Spades. Yeah. <laughs> Track seven, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Of course. Track eight, Smoke on the Water. So really, 
I, I would actually say going back to that, that last week's episode, that those tracks five, six, seven, and eight, that's where I could probably pinpoint where I started liking more hard rock. And then obviously that leads into muscle. Um, and then there's some weird shit on there. Number nine, bad company can't get enough. Whatever. <laughs> Python, Python Lee Jackson in a broken dream. <laughs> might, I might know if I heard it. Does it end, does it end on something, you know, epic and, bigger you know that kind of yeah shit. okay uh just just very quickly 11 phil collins in the air tonight what the no. fuck is that doing on a rock album cream sunshine of your love again doesn't fit free all right now fair enough joe walsh life's been good survivor i have the tiger yeah of course blue oyster cult don't fear the reaper and then yeah you you're right uh Triganza, number 19 leonard skinnard free bird free bird <laughs> See these these kind of compilations though they they, they like answered they were everywhere in the nineties and the, but they were good because if if you wanted to get into that kind of music that was the you know the original playlist now it is it's all on Spotify and it's boring it's not the same. Didn't you? The trouble is with a lot of these compilations it's what they could afford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I've, I've, my sister's got a, an eighties pop CD in her car and. Despite me telling her to get rid, she hasn't yet. But it's it's bottom of the barrel stuff, like real dodgy, like Dollar and uh, Hazel Dean, um, and all the like the sort of songs that the, the you know the Stockhake and the Waterman people had that never got anywhere. And it's but it's an eighties it's an eighties pop cup compilation. So of course, I tell you, I've, I tell also I've been doing this week. I've been pimping this podcast like a motherfucker. So you fucking should. Yeah, so like today in Tesco's, I was walking around with my Killer Mall t-shirt on, and I just heard the guy stocking the shelves just going, Seeking, Seeking, Destroy. And I turned around and he was like, Yeah, it's a great album, that. And I was like, The first thing I said was, Do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> so if he's listening, <laughs> the guy that I met this morning stocking the shelves in the in the chilled food aisle, you know. Um, and then early, just literally about an hour ago, I went down to the spa shop opposite the plume of feathers. And uh, there was a guy in there called Graham. He was wearing a Highway to Hell tour T-shirt. He saw me wearing my um, uh, Kill 'Em All T-shirt, and he was like, "Oh, you're a rocker, then." I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He was like, "Oh," and he just points to his T-shirt. I said, "I saw this lot, 1979 Sheffield Polytechnic." <laughs> so I was like, "Fair play." I said, "So Graham, if you're listening, thank you. And Welcome come on the podcast." <laughs> So we, we've we've gone truly global now. If we've got listeners in Cornwall, yeah, 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 it's true. It, it, it's it, so. Hang on a minute. Has the internet actually reached Cornwall to that level where? Well, yeah, because can... they've got the, they've got the Pool Innovation Centre by Cornwall. That's College. true. That's true. <laughs> I think Cornwall oh, is the future. The, <laughs> the Wi-Fi connection down the bottom of, of South Crofty Tin Mine is is excellent. <laughs> If anybody is not from Cornwall who has never been to Cornwall, you know, please, please forgive the uh, the in jokes. Um, and what you've been listening to? Let's keep him quiet for a minute. Uh, the, new, the new municipal waste album, still, still, obviously. yeah, uh, and also as a result of that, Iron Reagan. Yeah, nice. They are great and bloody heavy and angry and yeah, like that. Um, been listening to the new Blood Command album. Praise Armageddonism. Well, I don't know anything about them. Who are they? Blood Command. Now, they released an absolute belter of an album 10 years ago called 
Funeral Beach. Now, straight up, they're not a metal band. They're not metal heavy. Um, but they're, they're Norwegian. They, call them, they refer to themselves as Death Pop. So it's, right. they're a punk band in the same way as Refuse were a punk band. They were just doing their own sort of thing. They're, you know, fast, angry, shouty, aggressive guitar music that isn't metal. So, you know, punk very much in spirit. But they've got these big, sublime Scandinavian choruses that you associate. Um, very accessible and very angry and shouty. Um, and they're one of those bands that just should be so much more bigger than they are. Um, okay. and their album 10 years ago, I heard it and it absolutely blew me away. Straight up, album of the year, straight away. And saw them at Barfly the following summer, no one had turned up. And that reflected the fact that they hadn't really got anywhere because I think the press just didn't know what to do with them. Right. The, um, here's uh, a great band. Same as Refused. Here's a great album. Here's a great band. It's fantastic. It's the future. And we have no idea how to promote them or talk about them. <laughs> we really don't because we can't categorise them. And it comes back to that talking about labels and why the media love it. Because, but they don't sound like anyone else. They really don't. And they still don't. And they released, you know, they released an album five years on, you know, each time. So it's pretty much a side project for whatever they do during the daytime. But yeah, they've, they've released two good albums with the new one being the latest one. And they're still great and they've still got ridiculous amounts of energy and they deserve a hell of a lot more listeners than they've ever got um, well you, you just you just advertise them to the world so i'll give them a listen and i'll i'll, I'll I, I thought you did listen to it years back and I, like what you heard i may have done but it doesn't it doesn't ring familiar but I, i'll um stick some songs on the playlist this week and, yeah. um, and have, a, have a good listen yeah blood command do it people come on give them uh, they're, they're scandinavian so they've got to be worth a go yeah no absolutely um, and in terms of classic stuff, I've been listening to uh, Persistence of Time from Anthrax a lot, just because it's just great. Simple as that. Fair play. So, yeah. Um, what have I been listening to this week? Um, <laughs> a German thrash band called Traitor. Um, pretty route one, straight up German thrash. But oh. What, yeah. what stood out to me was a uh, was was a thrash cover of Careless Whisper by George Michael. Never got around to listening to this. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I think, yeah, everyone needs to listen to it. It's it's hardly genius. It's not exactly breaking new grounds, but but to be fair, you know the the, the material's decent and and that cover is good fun. So so uh, so they're worth a listen. Um, proper core 80s Alice Cooper. Been all over a bit of that this week. Um, trash and hey stupid that sort of thing the Desmond Child years and, uh, and and a bit of Rob Zombie not sure not entirely sure why that came up I think he's is the trailer for the Adams Family movie has just dropped I think Monsters Monsters sorry not Monsters. the Adams Family Monsters yeah. let's not let's not get into the uh, Adams Family versus <laughs> Monsters discourse come on <laughs> we're not ready for that yeah that one so yeah been listening to a bit of that this week so um, yeah but um, but definitely uh, definitely check out traitor's cover of careless whisper it's if anything it's just hilarious so uh yeah. where's padre gone because it's if he if he wants his if he wants his two minute fucking soapbox he needs to come and get on with it before we forget about it well think you know while he's while he's not here i think i think we need to point out you know padre's return to the uk has been the equivalent of a nuclear bomb quite frankly since he's returned since he's returned 
the Conservative government have imploded. Yep. The, the entire country is melting. Yeah. So he's bought the he's bought the weather with him from Italy. And Metallica are a top 40 singles act with Master of Puppets. Did he make top 40? Number 22 today. Nice. Number 22. <laughs> nice. And all since Padre got back. So I am the bringer of change. I bring the world. Bringer of I, I, I don't know what it is. It's yeah, it's a. I am the person who can be many places at once. Right, okay, you, you can have your two minutes. Get on your fucking soapbox and, and let's hear what you've got to say. So firstly, I mean... Oh, I'm, well, I'm he's assuming, got notes. He's got notes. I'm assuming we can uh, all, all relish the fact that um, Boris Johnson's gone. What? Boris Johnson's resigned. No. Nah. <laughs> you know. Well, he hasn't, though. That's the thing. He didn't actually resign in his speech, strictly speaking. No, he did. He stepped down. He said he was going to step down mm. after the um, name of successor. So, I mean, I just, I mean, I was watching that on the Tuesday night. Got, you know, obviously, when, when, when did he go? Was it Wednesday morning? Wednesday? I don't fucking know. I mean, well, it's just, I think it was a Thursday because it was, it would have been, it, it would have happened here. I mean, the, the thing is, it's okay because Wednesday was the, the next slew of resignations. Mm. And I, I just think for, for a political party, that likes to present itself historically as the natural government, the safe pair of hands, the um, almost born to rule. It's a mockery. You can't, you, you couldn't run a company like this. You couldn't run a business. You couldn't run a school. You couldn't run any, any organization like this. And look at what we've, what we've got. And then, and then, and then have you seen the list of nobodies they've got lined up to take, take over? Just ridiculous. I mean, you know, the, the, the cost of everything back in the UK is just insane. Uh, what has happened to Tesco's? <laughs> I went there the other day. What the fuck is going on with Tesco's? Because, like, the three supermarkets I went to before I got back to Cornwall were all Morrison's. And I was like, oh, hey, this isn't bad, especially the one near Traganza's house with its fucking olive buffet. <laughs> in a fucking middle class you know middle class area oh darling darling olives darling yes yes with rosemary and lemon um anyway but yeah i went to tesco's not only does it look shit and the food is shit but it's like they spend more they've got more aisle space dedicated to like microwavable ready-made bangers and mash independent with individual sachets of gravy and you're like what the fuck why are you eating this shit and it's not that i'm oh, I, I live in a country of amazing food because you know not all, italian's not the best food in the world but you do notice the difference between the the mentality why would you eat that stuff and you see what people are putting in the trolleys he's like fucking hell i just you know um that, that was surprising what do you guys think tesco's well, Tesco's Tesco's have stopped selling um, stopped selling Heinz products now, isn't it? What I don't know. That's criminal. <laughs> Something to do with with price rises and that. So I I, I I still do my shopping in Tesco, not Waitrose like some may want to believe, but and I, I don't know issues with it. So Sainsbury's what? is the big big local one near me, so I just stick to that. And you call me middle class. Please. Um I went to uh, I went I've been to Truro twice since I've been back. Oh, the pannier market. 
Trigenza. It's, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it's 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 like the the Visigoths when they left Rome. It's just been sacked. It's just decimated. I mean, a, a place a place where I remember going to buy my 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 jacket patches, my t-shirts. I got my Slayer Root of All Evil t-shirt there. I got my Justice for All. Doris poster there back in like 1998, 1999. I got the Master of Puppets flag there. It's just this, even the sweet shop's gone. There's nothing, you know, there's, there's a kitchenware, there's a kitchenware store. And then now, right, if you go out, out of the panty market and turn right in the, in that piazza, whatever it is, there's a heavy metal t-shirt store. Really? And this is what annoys me about when metal gets mainstream. You go in, they're playing, I think they were, they were playing, my Chemical Romance or Lamb of God. Um, I think they, those are the two tracks on there when I got in there. And it was a t-shirt store and they sell mugs and merchandise. But it was all like someone's it's very surface level. So it's the Guns N' Roses Appetite for Destruction. It's the Metallica Black Album t-shirt. It, but there's no Megadeth. There's no Slayer. There's no Anthrax. There's no... It's all very superficial. You know, there's the Pantera Vulgar Display of Power t-shirt because obviously it looks cool because someone's getting punched in the face. And it's just like, if you're going to have a metal merch store, have some fucking merch that people want to buy. It's not just, who are you catering to? The three of us or someone that's just watched Stranger Things? (laughs) Well, to be fair... (laughs) (laughs) They've got to start somewhere. Yeah, no, they they do. And I'm not gatekeeping. I'm just saying, like... Going back to previous comments we've made about like the t-shirt store in Falmouth, the um, outer limits, they had everything there. Yeah. You know, so and like you know, and and you're going into a shop and it's staffed by teenagers, and it's like it's it's like it's like it's a parody of itself. You, you say this, I mean, it, it's going to come into the sort of conversation later, but I've seen a lot of teenagers with Guns and Roses t-shirts over the last few months. I don't care. Rose. I don't care. <laughs> You want to wear them, wear them. I don't care. What I'm saying is, if you're going to have a metal T-shirt, could you actually have a proper selection? You know. You're right, you're right though. You're right. You're 100% right, though. It, it, it would be the same in, it'd be the same in, in any, any walk of life, any business. You need to offer a range of products, and, and it's, it's no different. You know? On, um, and, you know, a quick plug of, 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 um, of the In the Abyss store. We've got all sorts from, from you know, nonsense like neck deep to lamb of god to machine head to bathory to well not burzen because ebay won't let me list burzen products but you know all sorts of different options so and if i can do it then a full-blown high street shop should be able to do it yeah on the subjects of sweet shops i say if you want to go to a sweet shop go to oxford street in london because there's 30 of them now on that road well, like American sweet shops and candy shops and yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah, the older um, money laundering racket. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing I just want to want to quickly address is this. I am not going to sit here and say that the current predicted weather is not going to be hot and it's not going to be difficult because like, I haven't been able to sleep properly, especially Monday, Tuesday. And I come from, a, I'm, I come from living in a place where it's 35 degrees at night. But I am sick to death of hearing about the fucking train tracks melting. It's fucking steel. It's like Steve Hughes says, do you have any idea how hot it has to get for steel to lose its structural integrity? 
it's like 2000 degrees. It's not going to melt at 40 degrees. And they're already on the BBC news going, oh, there's going to be transport disruptions. It's like we've got this thing where it's been told told to us for so long that the trains have to slow down or because the tracks are melting because it's 25 degrees or 28 or 34 that we've just we just believe it without thinking. It's very much like the urban myth in Korea that if you sleep with a fan on, you will die. It's called fan death. And it's continually reinforced in, in the in the um in the media every year, one or two people die of fan death. So I remember actually being in Korea and saying, Look, are, are they like are you sleeping okay? I'm like, I'm like, uh yeah, okay, I've got a fan. And they're like, oh, You sleep with a fan on? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and you're no, no, that you'll die. You you can't do that. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because the fan blows the oxygen away from your mouth, so you you asphyxiate. And I'm like, no, that's not right. That and they've got a reason. And then so if you rebut that, they'll be like, well, no, the blades on the fan separate the oxygen molecules, so that it doesn't. It's just carbon dioxide in the air, and you'll, you'll try and and it's just it's so built into their their way of thinking. And it's the same in this country with this idea that tracks melt in 35 degree heat. It's ridiculous. But I guarantee you that. In, in 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 the in in the EU, they're not slowing down the TGV or the the, the Frecha Rossa or the um, um, high speed trains in Germany. They're not. It's just I, I, it's like it's like the, the the train companies are like, oh, we can blame it on the weather. We've blamed it on the unions. Now we can blame it on the weather. <laughs> it's just it's just ridiculous. I'm sorry, I'm not having it. Not that there are any fucking trains in Cornwall anyway. Well, no, not certainly not on Wednesdays where you live. Um, have you finished um, now? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. On, on, on you know, on a positive though, it's nice to be back, you know. I didn't think so, yeah, but you know, you, you're, you're most critical of the things that you love, <laughs> anyway. Moving on, you have definitely finished, yeah. You're not going to interrupt me again. Well, I might interrupt you, but not with that, all right, all right. Um, so let's quickly talk about Tail Gunner last Friday. Um, myself and Ant went to see them at the Dev. Um, they were pretty fucking good. Ant, what do you think? Yeah, definitely enjoyed that. If, if only for the cover of um, Oh, in the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah, I was quite which, surprised with that. Quite frankly, I've never heard, I've, I've heard some, you know, synth pop covers of that, um, and never a metal cover. No, Kirk Hammett does it. Sorry? Kirk, Kirk Hammett does it. Oh, okay. Oh well, there you go. It's, and uh, sabotage did it as well. Yeah, sabotage. Did it, yeah. That's it. Well, I've I've never heard it, and it's it's ideal, and yeah, it worked a treat. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, much faster live and on record harmonics, throwing throwing the, the axes, all of all of that stuff. Did you it's, get a chance yeah. to speak to them? Did you meet them? No, no, we 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 didn't. We were just sort of you know drinking away and, and passing away the Friday night. But I, I think. The one thing I noticed from them, I mean, you know, they're, they're great live and everything like that, and the place was full and going nuts for them. It's, it's good. I think they'll play to bigger venues as time goes on. Um, but the um, the front man, the singer Craig, his vocals are, are just superb. They they just they they carry so well. It's I was I was quite surprised. It's, it's they're great in the recordings, but live, he's he's almost faultless. You know, in a, in a day where, as we've talked about before, so many bands rely on screaming and shouting and growling and that for a, a proper singer, 
to be fronting a band like that is it's really good to see. I was impressed. And it's, it's, it, it came across as just completely effortless as well. It, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. It just it was completely natural. So, yeah, they, they're really good. We're really enjoying them. Um, I was a uh, quick chat with, with Bones online afterwards. So they're hoping next time they play London will be in the underworld. So I think they'll, they'll thrive on something like that. And I think they're probably capable of filling it as well. Um, so more talking about the past, big news this week. And I'm not sure how we all feel about it because we haven't really discussed it properly yet outside of this podcast, but the so-called Pantera, in inverted commas, reunion. Padre, what do you think? Bear in mind he's now confirmed that Zach Wilde and Charlie Bonante will be joining and Selma and Rex Brown. I, don't, I mean, I think, I think firstly, there's something to be said about um, if you've got a band reunion and you don't have certain key members of the band, but you still have the singer, potentially they have the ability to sound like the original. Yeah. Um, because I think replacing the frontman is always very tricky. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of bands that can testify to that. Van Halen, for example, Judas Priest. But... Yeah, loads of bands. There's not... I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be one of those people that would turn around and say, "No, Dimebag's not in it. I don't want to go." You know, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that um, Dimebag had his own style, and you know, he had that very tight relationship with Rex and his brother Vinny on drums. So there's that kind of almost symbiotic, you know, relationship. And when that band were on, were on and not too drunk or anything, they were you know, uh, impeccable live act. Very good. So, can they replicate that? I'm not sure. Zach Wilde's a very good guitar player. I think he's a bit of a knob end, but um, he's 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 definitely got the ability to play like Dimebag, but he's not Dimebag. So, I think some people are going to probably walk away and go, "No, that's not Pantera. That's not the band that I got into." I don't know if I would be one of them, but I don't know don't know again if I would actually be bothered to go and see them because I don't have that much faith in Phil Anselmo acting like a professional. That's more the last the last time we saw them, I mean we saw them separately. I saw them at Ozfest 98 and they were really good. I then saw them a few years later and it was it was a waste of money. It was yeah. he was so drunk he couldn't pull off the and yeah, and it doesn't matter if the band are good, because Pantera are not that type of band. They're not an instrumental band. You need the singer. Yeah. So if if Anselmo's got his shit together. I think it might be worth going. I don't think they're going to go around headlining people, headlining festivals and stuff like they used to. But, you know, for a, a sentimental or for a, an 18, 19, 20-year-old that, like, that does like them and has never seen them, definitely. But it's you know, it won't be the same. But then again, that's just my opinion. You know, who cares? If you want to um, see them, go and see them. And what do you think? Because... Yeah, I mean, I, I think I mentioned that it it just, they might as well just say, look, we were not with a super group, but we're doing our thing. We're going to write some new songs and we're going to play some Pantera and as well because of the band. I mean, you know, they could play some Anthrax, they could play some Aussie, but it's not quite the same for the circumstances involved. I think, I think it's one of those situations where they're going to look at it and say, look, if we do this thing, we're not trying to be the classic pantera in spirit because that's not going to happen but we know that if we're given an hour at a festival people are going to come and want to see us because they haven't heard these songs live for years 
we haven't they haven't heard Anselmo sing them or or whatnot. And it's there's going to be enough of a crowd, and it will be more than competent enough to get the crowd going. So that will justify it to them. Um, and if they were to do a headline tour, no, it won't it won't be the arenas or what whatnot, but it will probably sell out enough to 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 make it worthwhile. I think you're right on the um, on the point about festivals. I think you know, sort of like five, six o'clock on a festival yeah. bill in the afternoon, an hour playing Pantera Classic. I think, yeah, you're right. It would go down a storm and it would draw a massive crowd. They've definitely got that that market. That's that's there to be had. Um, headline shows. I mean, what are we talking about in London? Sort of academy sized venues. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing more than that at all. Yeah, sort of Brixton Academy and places like that, I suppose. But would I go and see them? I don't know. I think if they were playing on a festival stage and I was there, I would watch yeah. definitely. But... Yeah, because like you say, by five, six o'clock, you've had a few. Yeah. And it's, uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an old Pantera bucket. That's it. That's what it is. That's what yeah. you're going for. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's where it's going to fit. And who knows how long it lasts. And Padre, like you said, it all depends whether Anselmo's got his shit together. I don't know if if he's clean these days or what. I highly doubt it. But I think he is, apparently. Is he? Yeah, no. I, read, I, read an, I read a recent interview where it, I, it almost, you know, had me sort of wanting to listen to more Pantera and, and listen to other stuff. It, you know, he talked about that incident five years ago where he was you know, people said, oh, he really is a racist and he was almost a Nazi because um, he did about, you know, apparently he was saying white power and doing yeah. Nazi salutes whilst completely trashed. And he did this interview where he came across as genuinely apologetic and humble um, as if to say, you know, I, I screwed up hugely. And I'll say it again, I'm not, I'm not a racist. I'm really not. If you look at my life and how what I've sung about and, and done, I'm not, but I'm a fucking idiot. And it, you know, it, it kind of it, it it affected me in a way because he, you know, you don't get that, you don't get that sort of level of humility from people of his age. And I, you know, coming back to the Nazi thing, you know, in the last six years, we've had a massive resurgence in 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 fascism and the attraction to fascism because people people would rather choose that than a democracy if it means keeping their privilege. And at any time during that time, he could have said, yeah, you know what? Yeah, you got me. I'm a Nazi. Because it would have been so easy to actually do that during that time and and have certain kinds of people say, yeah, we've always liked Pantera, we've always liked Amsterdam for these reasons, and he's one of us. It's great to see. And he hasn't. In fact, he's come back and he's, he's come back and said that this isn't me. This This really isn't. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I think he um, should be given the benefit of the doubt, actually. Well, let's, let's, let's hope they pull it off then, because like Padre, like you said, there's going to be a lot of people that haven't seen Pantera. I only saw them once and they weren't very good. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But there's going to be a lot of clout behind it. There's going to be a lot of money. Certainly in the States, there's going to be big money behind them. And I'm sure, you know, it'll get lapped up for a couple of years and then it'll move on again. But, but... It's certainly dividing opinion. There's obviously going to be the, the parties that are very much without Dimebag and without Vinnie Paul, it's not Pantera. 
you know, there is an argument for that, but Any, anything that stops him making know. another super joint ritual record, you know, I'm down with. Fucking hell. Well, he, he was supposed to be doing um, uh, Pantera stuff with his band, The Illegals. You know, the live set was supposed to be called A Vulgar Display of Pantera. So is that any different? It's his voice and three musicians. So is it any different to this? Yeah. So I think Rex is part of it, isn't it? So Yeah, he is. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm sure it'll, um, it'll gather pace and it'll be... Uh, It'll be everywhere in the coming months, so we'll see what happens with it. Um, what else? Um, Eddie made a cameo appearance in a Marvel comic. And I'll leave this one to you. Yeah, just a bit of a dar fun, really, that you see in comics here and there. Um, yeah, the current status quo of the X-Men is that they're, they basically said bugger this for a game of soldiers and given up on the human race. Um, and they've gone to live on a an island, a sentient mutant island, and set up their own country. And they're just sort of limiting their interactions with the rest of the, the world. And one of the things that they've brought in for some reason is that they, they have this sort of Met Gala uh, event every now and again, um, where various superheroes and politicians and celebrities get invited. It, it just gives them a bit, bit of fun in the comics. And usually there's, there's like a murder or something happens or something kicks off and whatnot and it um, develops new stories but yeah in this uh, latest issue which hasn't reached the UK because uh, there is delays in the industry um, one of the uh, cameos that the artist has put in maybe by himself I don't know is uh, Eddie from Iron Maiden sort of hanging out with Brian Posehne the uh, metal loving comedian um, and, you see, and you see this in comics all the time little cameos of famous people or mascots and stuff like that here and there it's just you know just little little bits of fun but yeah they've they've done trooper eddie is one of the guests so there you go eddie is now a, a marvel comics character um you thought it's something that would have happened many years ago really yeah yeah well to, to be fair he he's no doubt been drawn here and there in the background for other things um there's been various zombie-related stories, so he's probably popped up there. But uh, yeah, it's quite—it's just quite prominent in this particular, this particular panel. Um, and yeah, it's interesting because I made were quite well positive about it. They promoted it, they tweeted about it, and no um, copyright thing. But uh, you know, they're not claiming anything from it. It's just a, like I say, it's just a one-panel cameo. Good, that's the way it should be. Uh, you shouldn't be claiming anything from it. You know what, though? Stop all of that, though, because I've got massive fucking news. Like, it's the <laughs> proper stop the press shit. This has just been released. I don't know who knows about it, but it's fucking massive. Fear Factory are remixing their last album. They're doing another remix album. Who gave <laughs> them permission? <laughs> I am so sick of that band. <laughs> I, I, I just... Where are they finding the money? Dino's Can we just move on to the topic in hand? I, I don't have the energy to talk about that <laughs> shit show of a band. The, the people want to know. If Fear Factory are remixing an album, the people need to know about it. Don't Before you know it, they'll be re-remanufactured. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to come, whether you like it or not. 
and I'll make sure you I get know, you. Do you know what? It's a, it's a shame Fear Factory aren't British because if they had been around in the 80s, they would have never made it out of the 80s because Thatcher killed the manufacturing industry. Oh, you know, just like, just, just, okay, can we sign, send a letter? Like, can we get, I think, one of those things on like change.org? Please stop Fear Factory making new albums. <laughs> like, can we, like, can we get it debated in the House of Parliament? If you, you get know, enough signatures, if you get enough signatures, yeah. We'll get a we'll get a question put. Who do we get a question but the, the media and culture secretary? Can you outlaw fucking fear factory albums? <laughs> I let we'll, we'll we'll start that campaign after the after the episode. But anyway, yeah, like you say, um the topic in hand. So the last couple of weeks or the last few weeks, um, Stranger Things has, has sort of taken over everyone's lives. And while that might not be directly metal related. Um, it is very much 80s related, and uh, there is the obvious, the obvious scene in the final episode that we're all loving as metal fans. And and you know, look, the music aside and the aside, that that sort of three and a half minutes was some of the best TV I've seen in in many many years. And you know, when it was uh, backed up with that soundtrack, you know, it doesn't really get any better than that for a metal fan. So off the back of that, we're talking about definitive 80s rock and metal albums now we're not talking about our favorites not talking about the biggest selling or the best but those definitive 80s releases where someone says to you oh i I want i want to listen to some 80s thrash where should i start and and it's, it's that kind of different way of thinking that it's just something that ticks all the boxes in a way and you know it, it will give someone an introduction or I, I i don't know i mean if if we're talking thrash albums there's, there's obvious candidates for that but we'll we'll come back to that in a minute but you know opening statements from you two what do we think what what would you be looking for in a in a definitive 80s metal album whether it's thrash or cock rock or, or whatever what are the key elements you'd be looking for i think you need to break it down Firstly, when you talk about, I mean, when we talk about cock rock, we're talking about glam rock, basically. So, yeah, yeah, Sunset yeah. Street. Yeah. I mean, I think a good starting point would be watching that film, uh, Decline and Fall, Western Civilization. Yeah. A lot of the bands you see on that would be a good gateway into that scene. So, from a from a from a a glam rock perspective, you want. You want a catchy hook, you want short songs, you want songs about basically sleeping with women, doing drugs, drinking beer, and living on the Sunset Strip. Um, so that's all you're really looking for, isn't it? I mean, I can't... I can, I can stomach some Motley Crue, and some of the Motley Crue I can stomach has got what you guys being a half-decent hook or riff in it. Like, Girls, 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 is it's got a good riff in it. Yeah. Um, kickstart my heart has got a good riff in it, you know. Absolute tune, yeah. Um, but am I going to go and buy Motley Crue albums? No, um, because I think they're the antithesis is what, what I'm really looking for. Um, am I gonna am I gonna listen to Poison? No, absolutely not. They are shit. <laughs> um, it's like Dave Mustaine says on the Channel 4 TV program, Top 10 Stadium Rock Bands. I think their first album should have been called Look What the Cat Stepped In. 
so because uh, but again i think i think it's right it's it, it's it's the reason why people listen to glam rock is the same reason why people listen to the backstreet boys or why they started listening to take that or one direction it's it's superficial it's it's there's a reason these bands got blown out of the water by the end of the 90 uh, end of the 80s and really what they are is they're now tribute bands. They're, they're parodying themselves when they go on tour. They might play to big crowds. They might play big big arenas, but it's not new people going to watch them. It's it's, it's people our age. Um, they're, they're tribute acts to themselves. In terms of flash, it's, I've been you know looking at um, a lot of uh, websites and stuff today. So like you know the usual suspects, Quora, Reddit, things like that, and there seems to be a, a lot of. Uh, uh, there's there's a lot of lists and stuff on top ten, top twenty, top fifty albums of the eighties, top twenty, top fifty albums, thrash metal albums and stuff, and all the usual suspects are there. I mean, basically, I think what you're looking for with thrash is fast paced, good guitar solos, good riffs, decent lyrics, album art. Because you know, how many times have you seen a good album, a good thrash album? You think, oh, the album art on that's pretty good. I might, I'll give that a listen. Because they've all got they've all got decent album art. There's a very there's a very common theme between them. Um, what else can we talk about? So you've got Thrash, Glam. I mean Maiden and those bands in the 80s. I, I I'll leave that to you guys. That's about it, really. I mean, I mean, do, do you, one thing I did see online was uh, a lot of people are saying that Metallica only ever wrote two Thrash albums, and that was Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning. I mean, no. you, you, I suppose you could argue there's an element of truth to that, but they just, I think it's not so much they only wrote two thrash albums, they just got a lot more ambitious the further they got into their career. You know, you can't tell me the battery's not thrash, because it yeah, is. Exactly. You know, and, and, and just because Master of Puppets has that middle bit doesn't mean it's not thrash, you know. They're a very easy band to rag on. Yeah, of course they are. They always will be. They're going to divide um, but I, I don't agree. That massive Puppets is a thrash album. Yeah. You could, argue, you could argue that they only did three thrash albums because Justice, not really a thrash album, and obviously what came after that is, is most definitely not thrash. But What, what, what the hell is Dyer's Eve then? <sighs> but then like, again, what the hell is Blackened? Yeah. What is yeah, it then? I mean... Is it, is it, what is it, prog thrash? What, what, what is it? Come on. Like... But again, like that just refers back to what I said 30 seconds ago. They they just got more and more ambitious as they went on. So maybe it is thrash, it's just a different take on thrash. Thrash doesn't have to be two and a half minute long songs about nuclear war and so on. So but when you're talking definitive thrash metal albums, for me, there's only one. And that's Rain in Blood. Because if you want to tick every box when you're talking about thrash, that album does everything. It might not necessarily be the best thrash album, and it's not necessarily my favourite thrash album, but it does tick every box if you want someone to know what thrash sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Like. Right, okay. if you want them to know, or you want them to actually get into it. Well, both. Isn't it? It's from a from a, an elitist point of view, you could call it an education. No, I I, I think I think I think the the best the, the best thrash album I think. To get someone to like Thrash is Kill 'Em All. Not because it's you can regard it as being one of the first Thrash albums. It's not that. Not because it's Metallica. It's because it's Thrash, but it's not 
too aggressive. It's not um, too intense. It's got some very good songs on it, and it's got more, a different... more accessible. Yeah, I think it's more accessible while still retaining what you would look for in a classic thrash album. It's a thrash metal album. I think it's just a bit more accessible. And your two cents? Like, like I say, I kind of sort of took us into this subject sort of off the back of Stranger Things because I was, you know, thinking you were, you were, you were a kid and you like what you see and love what you hear and you want to get into metal. You want to get into 80s metal, learn more about it. You know, and say, you know, someone, give me 10 albums, give me the 10, 10 albums to start with because you've got to start somewhere and there's so much there, there to, to do. So, yeah, and I like making lists. I like top 10 lists, what can I say? So I've sort of, I've created, created a list of 10 out, 10 definitive metal albums from the 80s that tries to cover everything so far, you know, and I think it does consider the glam metal and the, the thrash, the heavy and whatnot. Um, all right, so, yeah, all right, so be, before before you go on, let's 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 yeah, yeah. take your list of ten, starting okay. ten, and uh, and and let's let let's let's critique this. I'm, I'm tempted. Can I suggest I go start from number one because I think you got some obvious ones. All right. I, I found it more difficult as I got down the list because I, I was having an eye about. So I thought there's. So I'll go from number one because, like I say, this is this is a general all round. This is what you give your kid who wants. Definitive 80s metal was a starting point for 10 albums. Like I say, they're not necessarily the best, most acclaimed, biggest selling, or whatever, just it's all those factors combined. So for me, there is only one album that you could call is the most definitive for metal in the 80s, full stop, when you consider the, the profile that metal had in that time, its look, its feel, how it developed everything there's only one album and what would you say that is master of puppets i would say number of the beast okay it was it, it, was, it was yeah potentially one of master them. of puppets is is number two there you go so, yeah. yeah i just think you have to consider i i made it in their place and you know how they what they did how they attracted attention you know it's not just about the positive it's not all about the great you know we know metal's reputation with the bible belt and with christianity and whatnot um and how it inspired kids to do apparently crazy things it's number of a beast we know it's not that we, we can say it's not their best album but it's their most classic and definitive for a number of reasons and master of puppets is a very good follow-up because yeah it's it might not be the definitive thrash album but it's it's almost up there for thrash but it just crosses the boundaries and, and just does heavy in such an accessible way that probably hadn't been done before by that point. The production was off a scale, um, you know, sonically amazing, epic, everything. Um, you know, and it was, a, they were still a bit more underground than the stuff that people thought was cliche heavy metal at that point. Um, you know, that's what, you know, if maybe I made and were, were passed some some people, Master of Pubs and Metallica were what the cool metal kids listen to. Um, so yeah, those, those are my top two for a start. So, um, Andre, your, your rebuttal. No, I want to hear the rest of this list. <laughs> oh, I want to I keep listening to him dig his own grave. 
I, I like my grave. I'm, I'm going to sleep in my grave. You know, keep I'm, digging. I'm comfortable. Keep digging, bitch. Come on. <laughs> Number three, appetite for destruction. Yeah. That game changer in every single bloody way. It's it's glam metal, and like I say, we have to look at. No, glam fuck metal. off! It's glam metal. It's glam. It's come no, on. Fuck it, off! It's, it's not. It's, it's what, what is it then? We 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 associate glam metal. It's rock. It's a hard rock album. It's hard rock and rock and roll. It's not like glam. It's not fucking glam. Nothing fucking glam about it. I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. I I think I I think if you're talking what glam metal was in the 80s yes okay you can't compare guns and roses with poison but they just it's just maybe maybe it's just what glam metal should have been like it or not uh, <laughs> i i think i think appetite for destruction is just a a, a a balls to the wall killer rock and roll record um i think it's got something for everyone um, I think there are elements of that 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 album that you could construe as being more kind of mainstream, but then I think there are some songs on there that are definitely more the type of songs that you wouldn't see on a glam album. You wouldn't see a song like My Michelle on anything that Motley Crue or Poison or Hanoi Rocks or Rat or, or Warren ever did in the way it's produced, the way it's sung, the way it's structured. I mean, for God's sake... The title, the, the, the intro track to Appetite for Destruction, Welcome to the Jungle, is single-handedly better than anything all their contemporaries ever came up with. I'm sorry, it's just, you know, not, not to mention Paradise City, Sweet Child of Mine, Mr. Brownstone, Out to Get Me. All of, all of that, all of that's a given. It's an absolute given. It's one of yeah, the... I just, I, I'm sorry, it, just because they're from the same area, because they're, they're from the Strip, doesn't... I don't think you can necessarily lends itself to call it labeling them as being glam i don't i don't see it they didn't wear makeup they didn't they, they there wasn't a, a conscious decision to portray them portray themselves using a, a certain aesthetic um I, and they don't sound anything like the contemporaries i think there are they're a rock and roll band who played hard rock they were solid musicians they were much better musicians than any of their contemporaries in that scene um, and they were better songwriters, and they've they've outlasted them. Well, and so they're still relevant. They'll always be relevant. You you, yeah. you can't you can't write a debut album like After Destruction and, and not be considered. They transcend and they've transcended that scene as well because yeah, like, if you say you know Slash is one of those guitar players, and I'm not saying I don't think he's the best guitar player ever. I don't think he's the top. Forget that. If you say Slash. Most people will know that you're talking about the guitar player from Guns N' Roses. Yeah. The guy that wears the hat. Same thing if you said Clapton or Hendrix or maybe Jeff Beck, you know, or Eddie Van Halen. People are going to, people, people know who, who they are. Or Dino Cazares. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> All right, carry on down the list then. Let's, let's hear what, yeah. what, what comes next. Yeah. Number four, Rain of Blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I say, definitive thrash. That's it. In terms of extremity, you know, they... It's not It's not definitive if you put it below Master of Puppets. But I, but I, I think that's not just a great thrash album. I think it, it just, it covers, it covers metal and in a sort of, in an epic way, but 
So this this is this is what I mean by by what why I, I feel that Rain and Blood is the definitive thrash album. If if someone wanted to know what eighties thrash is, I wouldn't necessarily direct them to Master of Puppets because it might throw them off a little bit here and there. Whereas Rain and Blood is 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 thirty minutes of balls yeah. to the wall thrash metal with some of the best thrash metal songs ever written. So I think that 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 kind of it, it ticks more boxes than Master of Puppets in that way. Yeah. So, you know, number five. Oh, I, where, yeah, this is where I'm probably going to start getting the grief, but I've already had the grief so far. So, you know, uh, Pyromania. Okay. Okay. Yeah. They come from the new wave of British heavy metal. That's what they got lumped into. And yeah, they went in a, they went in a, I mean, they knew what direction they wanted to go into, which is a very American friendly hard rock thing, but you know, they had the anthems, they they had the solos, they had, you know, the, you know, they, they were heavy when they wanted to be. Uh, they were very accessible. They're a massive gateway to people who did get into heavier stuff. You know, you look at, uh, you know, stuff like Pyromania, that's, you know, it's, it's iconic. Um, and it sold bucket loads. You can't talk about, same as Appetite for Destruction, I don't think you just can talk about metal and its development without those albums. Um, why, I mean, just playing devil's advocate for a minute, why Pyromania over Hysteria? And I, I get what you mean from a from a Def Leppard fan point of view, and you're right, Pyromania is probably the better album, but from a commercial point of view, we, why why Pyromania over Hysteria? Because Pyromania is, is, that broke them fundamentally. That just took them, you know, up, 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 up into the stratosphere in a way that Hysteria didn't anymore. Hysteria was the long-awaited album by that point. Um, as an album, it's it's not better. It's it's too long in comparison. It's even more overproduced. And Pyromania musically just gets that balance so well. Um, and just how it you know how it landed in into the you know into industry at that point in time. Um, I don't. I, th I think culturally and you know, musically, it's it's way above Hysteria. Padre, Pyromania or Hysteria? Um, I would say probably Hysteria, but I, I just want to raise one question. Um, on on Def Leppard, On Through the Night, um, I found a, a metalnation.com uh, 40 years on, the top 10 metal albums, and they've done it actually by year of the 80s. So, for example, 1980, they put number 10, Def Leppard on Through the Night. Why, why not, why not that one? If you're gonna, if you're gonna use it as a way of demonstrating what 80s metal was about, why not start at 1980 with that? Right? Like, this is the, this is the thing. Are you, are you talking about? You doing? Are you doing? Looking at this? Are we? Are we looking at this like chronologically? So you can say to someone, okay, well, this is an album that came out in 1980. But if you then listen to this album by this band that came out in 1985, you can see where the trend, the progression's gone. How it's how how the scene has involved has, has evolved or how things have changed. I mean, if you if you play someone, uh, Kill 'Em All, and then you play someone Justice for All, you might not think those are the same band. Uh, if they didn't know anything about the about the about the music, but I mean personally, I would go through just be, just because I know Hysteria better than I know Pyromania. Um, 
quite simply, I just don't don't think those those first couple of albums have that definitive quality that Pyromania and maybe Hysteria do. Um, they don't have the songs aren't as good at that point in time. They're still developing. Um, production's not as good. Um, they're certainly not as impactful um, on the wider consciousness of rock and metal. Simple as that. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm with you on Pyromania as, as an album. It's, it's difficult to choose between the two, Pyromania and Hysteria. But I think Pyromania, like you said, Hysteria was a little bit more overproduced in a way. So Pyromania's got that little, that slight raw touch to it that, that keeps it a little bit more grounded. So it gives you a better idea of, of, of what the genre is about. Whereas Hysteria is so polished, it could almost be a pop album. Yeah, that's it. You know, that's the thing. Pyromania just retains that, just about that bit of rawness that they'd had up until that point. Yeah. Okay. Just, just, just give us the rest of your list. Okay. <laughs> R six, screaming for vengeance. Um. Seven, Blizzard of Oz. Uh, eight, shout at the devil. All right. Let's let's stop there. Because I can see why you would pick that Motley Crue album if you were talking about Motley Crue. But does does that do you think that album defines that whole subgenre? That that whole if we disregard Appetite for Destruction for a minute and just look at the you know the the lesser LA strip bands, is that the album that will kind of define that whole sound? I, th I think so. Just. Again, it's just that balance between the rawness and the, the speed that they'd had and, and the, the more commercial, polished sound that it became going forward. Um, the imagery as well, that sort of playing with the devilish stuff, uh, the stuff that sort of ruled, riled up the parents. It's Yeah, for me, it's just, it, it just covers, it, it balances all those factors. Right. Yeah. What's, what's next on the list? Well, that was number eight, wasn't it? Yeah, the, these last two I was really stuck with because I was thinking, do I include things like do I include things like Among the Living and Peace Cells? Again, great fresh albums, but again, do they define metal and the scene as a whole or, or whatever? And I'm and I'm trying to like I said, I'm trying to cover. I was trying to cover various factors and various things about metal and rock and you know that would uh, summarize the eighties. And controversial, but number nine, I went with Slippery When Wet. And number 10, and I was really stumped here, but then I settled for Holy Diver. Okay, I, I was sitting here thinking about where we put Dio in all this. Let, let's start with Slippery When Wet, because when it comes to that kind of music, you know, that, that whole... Because obviously Bon Jovi are not a LA strip band, but... You, you would argue they're a, a cock rock band as, as they were. Okay, well, sorry. Are we, isn't that just glam though? Cock rock glam is same well, thing. This is what this is what I mean. There, there, there was glam, and then for me there was there was cock rock. I mean, you could throw Europe into cock rock for fuck's sake, you know. So if you can put Europe in that mix, you can put Bon Jovi in that mix. So I think you had you had the glam bands that were all about that had the makeup and, and all that kind of stuff. And we'll walk around in stockings and suspenders and fuck knows what else. That's fine. But you had those bands, and I think this is where Guns N' Roses come into it. They were just 
that other level. They didn't need all the gimmicks because the music, the music was strong enough. And Slippery When Wet is one of those. Slippery When Wet is one of the best rock albums of that whole decade. Like it or yeah, not. It's, it's, got, it, it's got some very catchy tunes on it. I mean, and very well written and organised, uh, uh, arranged songs. Slick, aren't they? They're slick. They're, they're, they're very well written. They're put together. They're, you know, they've got the very slick videos to go with it. You've, and, and the thing is, you've got to, you know, because I'm asking myself, are they metal? Are they metal? And they're, 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 it's just, they're, they're, they're the very particular end, the very accessible end of the metal spectrum. But, you know, those, those hits, they've got a chug to them. They got they got chuggy riffs to them, you know. Even buried in in all their, you know, the rest of the production. But it, you know, I'm thinking, and I know it's a bit off off kilter in terms of subject, and we don't like to talk about it. But if you're having a conversation about new metal, you have to talk about Lincoln Park. You know, in terms of choruses and anthems, they they did what they did within that genre, and in some ways, Bon Jovi were the Lincoln Park of '80s metal. You know, a very accessible anthemic beast but appeal to people who didn't like the heavier stuff whether it whether it's a really heavy stuff or or just you know the solid heavy stuff you know bon jovi were you know as metal as a lot of people were happy to get as far as they were concerned yeah that that's you know that's heavy metal for me i'd um, like the um, i'd like just to say from uh, from a, a legal standpoint that we're not comparing bon jovi to lincoln park <laughs> um, not the uh, in the abyss stance and um, I please accept our apologies for um, any any previous comments based on that. Um, thank you. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? I'm sorry. I, I I I I don't think you're aware of the words to use to describe things. Sometimes, what part of Bon Jovi could ever be described as chuggy? There's no chug to it. It's too fucking clean. I'm sorry. There's the what? You could have a chug with clean. What? No, what, what What? song? Oh, Living in a Prayer has a chug, come on. The fuck off is chug, <laughs> fuck off. I hear a chug, you might not. If you, if you, no, if you're, if you're going to use that adjective to describe a sound, then you're looking at something that's got some form of palm muting in it. And there is no palm muting in Bon Jovi. It's too fucking clean. It's, I'm sorry, no. Living on a prey. Agreed. Fuck's sake. Um, look, I, I think that that list of ten albums that you're given, I think is, I think it it, it comes close to, to nailing exactly what we're talking about, though, doesn't it? Because like, there's something in those ten albums that can give. It is almost like a a um, best rock album in the world ever compilation. It, it does exactly the same thing. It gives you every kind of taster of what to expect from 80s rock and metal across the spectrums. And the thing is, it's not just not just about the music and the sound. You know, you've got to look at the cultural aspects. Metal, heavy metal was the most popular subculture in the world in the 80s. Um, and I, this comes back to how I look at metal and the discussions with the 70s. The 70s is where metal was born. Okay. Yeah, we look. We we talked about those early bands, and you know, Sabbath invented it in 1970. It was a derogatory dirt term. It was childish, and you had those bands who may or may not be metal now, but they were doing their thing and you know, getting a bit heavier and they get more aggressive at 
you know, their instruments and album to, but it was young. It was a child. The 80s, it was a teenager. It was going for it. It was moody. It was excited. It was growing up. It was trying all sorts of different things. Um, it was getting very self-assured. And, and, and this is the thing is that a lot of that, it's not just music, it's that imagery. You know, it's attractive to teenagers, the skulls, the fantasy, the darkness, the, the, the sex stuff. But, you know, that's what teenagers bloody love. If you're looking at things like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Slayer and all that, you know, it, it's, it's, that covers a lot of it. And the reason I sort of went for Dio is because, you know, he probably did the Dungeons and Dragons thing, the fantasy nerdy thing, better than the others. Yeah. Um, he acknowledged that stuff probably more, uh, you know, a bit more um, with, with what he did. Um, and, you know, yeah, lots of bands were probably inspired by that from Dio more than Iron Maiden, who's, uh, you know, their stuff was a sort of, yeah, it's a bit fantasy, but it's also historical. A bit, so a little bit of everything kind of thing. Yeah. Covered a lot of areas. Whereas Dio was like, well, it's fantasy, it's nerd, it's fun, it's Dungeons and Dragons. And as we know, as I mentioned, you know, Eddie Eddie Munson in Stranger Things, he's got a Dio patch jacket. Yeah. So, um, so straight up there. Um, and I think that's it. A lot, a lot of those albums cover all of that stuff. Um, uh, you, you, yeah, that, that, that's, that was a factor for me when I was sort of coming up with this. And I think, yeah, if you, you've got a kid who wants to know, start me off with 10 albums of the 80s. That's, I think that's what I'd do. Yeah, there's a hell of a lot more out there. And there's probably some better albums you'll listen to. But this, this is it for me. This, is, this represents 80s metal, and what it was about fundamentally. So there's a few, there's a few artists that we haven't really mentioned that much so far that were obviously quite big in the 80s. Um, Van Halen, of course, from 1984. Um, Alice Cooper, you know, you, you could say that Alice Cooper has been, has always sort of done something different and a lot of it is kind of, of a lot of his music is of a time, if you know what I mean. Like you yeah. can tell what his 70s Alice Cooper and what his 80s Alice Cooper and so on and so forth. But his, his profile in the 80s was very low. I mean, to be fair, when he did Trash and Poison, Poison at the end of the decade, that was probably his most prolific spell since yeah. yeah. the 70s. I think the rest of the 80s, he was taking a massive backseat, same as Meatloaf, massive backseat yeah. To, yeah. To, to the other bands, you know, compared to his <clears> 70s period. Yeah, it was. You're right. It was right at the end of the 80s for Alice Cooper. But at the same time, the sound that he had and, and the way that his music was produced and the way the songs are written, you know, the Desmond Child stuff, that is very, it was very 80s. I mean, Poison, Alice Cooper, is an obvious one. Yeah. It doesn't get much more 80s than that. The lyrics, the sound, the production, the video, you know, it, it, again, it ticks all the boxes. But it's 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 struggling with 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 various albums and and I said obviously Anthrax and Megadeth they're great and they're important but I don't quite think they they make it there because I think that stuff more or less covered elsewhere uh, by other bands and better um, do I include someone like Venom hugely influential but let's be honest here they're just they're just an evil crap version of Motorhead. Yeah, um, I agree. Really, aren't they? I agree. Like, they make that stuff better. I've never um, understood. I've never understood why people fall over Venom. Like, to be honest you, with you, I think they're pretty. The thing is, you you would have had a band like that. If you if you think about you know how metal was developing, 
Um, you would, I th I, to be fair, I think if you didn't have Venom, I think you would have had a band like Venom, but were better. I really yeah. do. They, a, a band that probably would have taken production a lot more seriously. Whereas Venom, you know, it's a joke. I know they, they've never really gone away from that joke of their music, but it's a joke. What were, you, what were you expecting? What were you expecting? They're from fucking Newcastle. <laughs> yes, Newcastle, Newcastle can't even sign a striker even when they're the richest club in the world. Because do you know why? No one wants to go there. Do you know why? Because they're a fucking joke. Unless they can find a striker that's a Venom fan, then they might be all right. But yeah, yeah. You know. But it's... Uh, um. I mean, let's go back to Stranger Things for a minute. I mean, the, the, obviously you had the character Eddie Munson in season four that was that was a metalhead and had the, the Dio patch jacket and and all that kind of stuff and and the, you know the the final episode and and, and also the, um, the 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 peace of mind scene as well, holding up the cassette of of peace of mind. <laughs> it's his music that was, that was just oh, I, I was just like oh my god that's every fucking conversation I've had with people yeah, yeah it's, oh it's, I just don't get I don't get metal can we, what, um, can like we just quickly sorry can we just quickly recap on um, the uh, social media post that Metallica put out after that episode aired yeah I think that's definitely worth mentioning about the you know because I, 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 what made me laugh was someone posted something about I've been listening to Metallica since 2011 and I'm sick of all these posers getting into Mat Metallica and Master of Puppets because they've seen it on Stranger Things and like even my wife like was like she goes she was like you know come here you need to see this and she goes this is just too cute I've been listening since 2011 and I just laughed and I go, well, I've been listening since about 96. And there are people that I know that could even turn around and say, I've been listening since 84, 85. Where the fuck this person, I mean, they weren't even alive when the black album came out or, the, you know, it's like, who the fuck are you to turn around to anyone and say that they can't listen to Metallica because they saw them on Stranger Things. When you, when we were all kids, when we were all that age, I would have paid money to have seen Metallica or Megadeth or Slayer or Iron Maiden get mentioned in any positive light on any form of media ever. I remember yeah, when... Let alone one of the biggest TV shows out yeah. there. Yeah. This is, this I remember yeah, when it, things were so bad the, the Iron Maiden fan club did a, 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 a motorbike procession down the M25, pulling a massive statue of Eddie in protest that Radio 1 wouldn't play their music oh. when they were number one in the charts. So Iron Maiden were number one in the charts to bring your daughter to the slaughter and Radio 1 would not play their music. But they professed to be, we play the top 40. You know, it's like, that's how bad it was. You couldn't listen to the music. And, and we, we were never advocating, we want Radio 1 or Radio 2 to play Slayer during the drive time. But could you give us, could you give us something? Could you, you know, if, if it's number one in the charts, could you at least acknowledge? To be fair, they're a British Radio band, one... for God's sake. They're a British band. Radio 1 just weren't playing it because it was stuff off No Prayer for the Dying, which is totally fair. Oh, no, I mean, it, it, yeah, but it, it, it all comes down to that sort of question of elitism, doesn't it? I mean, they, you know, in the last two weeks, we've had children, teenagers, 
who have probably never heard some of these bands before. Their parents weren't into it's it. It's not elitism, it's gatekeeping. Okay, okay, gatekeeping, yep, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, who in the last two weeks have discovered Metallica, Guns N' Roses and Dio through Stranger Things and the latest Thor film, okay? Yeah. And Dio, yeah, Dio pops up, in, it was referenced in both. And, you know, these things, is, yeah, they've got the Spotify and they've checked it out. And I think, you know, I saw some posts from, from a metal website. It was like, oh, so you've just, just discovered metal, these bands, through, through some sort of popular TV show. Welcome aboard. There's a lot of great stuff to, to look forward to. 100%. And that's how, that's how it should be. Yeah. We should be, we should be, this all should be shrouded in positivity and not, not, and not gatekeeping. Because you know, we, 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 maybe, maybe 20 years ago, we, we might, you know, as, as younger morons, we might have taken a more gatekeepery type of stance on this. But, you know, we're, we're sitting here all in our early 40s and, and we need to realise that if these bands are going to carry on playing live and carry on making music and the genre is going to carry on going from strength to strength, it will always need new fans. And if something like Stranger Things can do that, and, and it was such a good scene and... You know, and Padre, you'll be pleased to know that it was a BC Rich Warlock in that scene as well. So, yeah, you know, it, it just. But listen, listen, I'm, 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 I fully admit that I, 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 I think gates need to be kept. They need to be watched. <laughs> they need to be guarded. They need, they need a dog. You know, but barking. You have to let people in. Of course you do. Yeah. You have to let them in. All I'm asking is make an orderly queue. You know, um, don't just stampede, you know, and, you know, while you're in the queue, get some intel. What are you listening to? So who, who, who is, who is St. Peter? Who is standing at that gate? Dio. Right answer. And, 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 and Lemmy now. No, he's, he's not going to be standing at the gate. He's going to be at the bar. Let, let, let me just covers lunch breaks. That's that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But yeah, like like I said, the, the Metallica social media stuff around Stranger Things. It's just you know it, it it should be a positive thing. It was and I keep saying it, but it was such a good scene. It was it was so good to see. Hey, one thing. So speaking of TV shows with like heavy metaling, have you ever seen that TV show with Damien Lewis? Uh, Billions. Billions, yeah, Metallica are in that. Yeah. Great. No, no, not just Metallica. Megadeth are in. Megadeth are That yeah. is one of the few times that I've seen, because he walks to work, he's he's wearing a, a P-Cells t-shirt. Yeah. And they actually play P-Cells twice in that. Yeah. That, that was like, I was like, yes, that's awesome. Because like, yeah, Metallica, by this day, you, you, you it, it would be strange for them not to pop up in some kind of mainstream TV show. Yeah, yeah. But for Megadeth to pop up, that's special. Yeah, um, no, yeah. I, 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 I must admit, when I was watching that, I sort of sat up and I was like, "Fuck, that's Megadeth." Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it was used in the right context as well. You think about what that that TV show is all about and what Megadeth yeah, yeah, yeah. sells. It it kind of it kind of all worked. And I like to add in the fact that Channel Four have been using Slayer to advertise Formula One. So. <laughs> No. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the end the, the 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 breakdown riff from Rain in Blood. Yeah, is is used to advertise F one. So you know, full respect to Channel Four. But um, considering but, how I used to drive when I listened to Slayer on the on the cassette. Yeah, exactly. Can I just can I just sorry? Can I just <laughs> say one thing? 
so I was in Cardiff on Monday, Sunday and Monday, and I was watching uh watching cricket with my uh, mate Gav, and uh, we we just couldn't help laughing because you know there was the Indian bowler Bumrah, but we were like, no, his name's Bumrah from Thundercats, <laughs> you know, like you know, he's gonna t- he's gonna change into the ancient spirits of evil, okay? Like you know, like and did you notice when you're watching that cricket game, they were just like it was Bumrah, Bumrah. Uh, they kept they kept mispronouncing his name. So what is it? I I, I would like to think it's Bumrah. I would Bumrah. go with Bumrah. Yeah, Bumrah. See th- Thundercats. That was pretty metal. The theme tune in itself. Was oh awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. That and yeah. Red Dwarf as well. You 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 say that the Thundercats is one of those frustrating examples of basically the the theme song and the opening sequence being so good. The rest of the cartoon never touched it. I mean, they put basically they put all the money into the opening sequence. Yeah, you're probably right. Ninety percent of the money went into that and the theme tune, and the rest of it, you know, the rest. Of it. I mean, yeah, it was entertaining, but it was nothing on that. The, the sheer. Did you not see the episode where Mumra brings Excalibur back to fight with the Sword <laughs> of Omens? Yeah, and I... Jackalman, Jackalman, and. Vulture Man, I just like come on. I, I did the bad just, guys was called Jackal Man. What, what do you want? I didn't <laughs> just even watch the cartoon, I read the comic. There's elitism right there. Yeah, yeah right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, I read the comic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's this kind of sum this up a little bit. So we, we've got a list of 10 albums that we 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 kind of agree on. But if we're gonna if we're gonna narrow it down to to one hour. Sorry, at what point did you hear the words I agree come out? <laughs> no, this, say, this, this is not a democracy, it's a dictatorship. So just you, you agree whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, of, of that 10 and, and the other bands we've been talking of and, and the other albums we've been mentioning, which, which, one, are we, which one are we going to go for? If someone says to me, right, the, the one metal album from the 80s. No, you can't. You can't. No, no, no. This is futile. No, it's not. It's not futile at all because there, there, there is. There, yes, there, there are. There are. No, there, there are. There are bands that will that that you can you can start with, and then will give you elements band, of all type of music. Bands or band? You've just said if there's one album. Band, band, album. Just, just one one starting point for all of this. Where would you go? Where would you send someone to start with? I'm going to start the argument with Appetite of Destruction. Because it's a, it's great songs. It's it's got an element of aggression at times. Um, it's got the poppy choruses. It's got the great lyrics and all the content. It's got the imagery. The band have got the imagery. And I think Guns and Roses in the late '80s and that album. I think that defines the decade and hard rock and metal more than any other band or album. Okay, uh, yeah, um, I think that's fair enough to be honest. Oh, now it's fair enough. <laughs> a, minute, a minute ago it was impossible, but now it's fair enough. Is that is that is that reversing alarms I hear? Are you backing up? No, no, no. I'm... I mean, when, when you have to forget when um, MTV first played um, "Welcome to the Jungle." It was in the middle of the night. This was sometime in nineteen eighty-seven, and they just stuck this song on in the middle of the night, and the f- the phone lines melted pretty much. 
because the amount of people calling in to say, fucking hell, play that again. That was amazing. And this was the middle of the night. That's the impact it made. I just think, you know, is a gateway album an album that's going to get people into something necessarily the definitive album? This is what this is what my point is. So I'm just saying that can we be a bit more careful with our use of terms here? That's all I'm saying. If, if, if I'm on, if I'm honest, I, I think Appetite for Destruction ticks both of those boxes. Okay, it licks both boots. <laughs> the boots again. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I my I wrote a list. And I just, I just looked at the big four. No, no, not the big four. I looked at, I just looked at Thrash. Of course you did. So, yeah. Um, so, for example, uh, I also, I also went away and looked at um, album sales, which I thought was quite, thought was quite interesting. So, for example, number one, you probably know what I'm going to say, Master of Puppets. Yeah. This is just Thrash Metal. Number two, I, I said peace sells. I would agree with that if we're just talking thrash. If we, yeah, we're just talking thrash now. Yeah, it's up there. I, I'm hoping uh, you can say three is raining blood. Yes, it is. Now, number four, and this is it's really difficult because you don't want to keep bringing them up, but it's impossible to get away from them. I thought I said ride the lightning. Yeah. Number five, I had to do a joint one here. I couldn't decide. Rust in Peace and Justice for All, equally, for different reasons. Uh, number six, South of Heaven. Number seven, Among the Living by Anthrax. Eight, New Order, Testament. Nine, Bonded by Blood, Exodus. Ten, So Far, So Good, So What? Which I think is a criminally underrated album. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. There's a couple of great songs on it, obviously. But I think as a whole the, the, album. But this is the thing, the couple of great songs on it, they're really good songs. Yeah, I was I was I was wearing my Megadeth T-shirt at work, and a customer actually say, "What do you think of a remastered version of So Far So Good? So what with the uh, the uh, the um, horns more prominent?" Oh, in the in the Into the Lungs of Hell. Yeah, yeah, fine. And I was like, "Nah, yeah," but I'm still not that into the album compared to others. So whatever. <laughs> so yeah, um, album sales for the big four and chart positions. Starting with Megadeth, what do you think was their highest placed album? What are we talking in the 80s here? Yeah, between 1980 and 1990. You mean Rust in Peace, surely? Yeah, Rust in Peace, 23 US Billboard, um, one million. It, it was it's platinum. It's very, I, I find it very, I, I try to find like accurate sales figures for these albums and it's very difficult because you've got to pay to get onto sound scanner mm. I, I i did find actually because i was looking at trying to consider sort of sales and i found one for the american sales only for hard rock and metal yeah but then again um so going back to megadeth for some killing us my business is is, is about three hundred thousand. um peace sales but who's buying is is is, is platinum at a million so so far so good so what um but you know, you do notice that trend as you get, and this is with all of these bands. There's a trend as you get towards the tail end of the nineties. You can see every single band that you would consider being in 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 the, in the thrash pack are, are very rapidly rising up the charts. So, for example, 
Peace Sells But Who's Buying in 1986 comes in at number 76. That's the highest position on the US billboard. 1990, Rust in Peace, they're at 23. Um, and that's just in the 90s. Obviously, their highest ever position was number two for Countdown to Extinction. Yeah. Uh, Metallica, how many, al- how many albums in the US do you think Kill 'em All was sold? Probably not a lot. A couple of million? Three. Three million. Yeah. But interestingly, the, the billboard position in 2021 for Kill 'em All was number 18. Really? So people have obviously bought it more in the last couple of years. Um, Ride the Lightning, highest chart position was 10. Six million sold. Master of Puppets, seven, six million. And Justice for All, eight million. US chart position, highest ever achieved was six. And then obviously just out of interest, I looked at the Black Album. US, and this is the strange one, and I can't figure this out. US Billboard 7, so lower, technically lower than Justice Roll, 17.3 million sold. But the decade average between 1990 and 1999, and this is all the albums sold in the US in that 10-year period, is number eight, which is quite impressive. Yeah. Slayer, and this is where it gets funny now because you can't find figures for the other two, the other three, the other two bands, Slayer and Anthrax, that you would have got as being in the big four. Their earlier stuff you can't find figures for, even on Wikipedia. So I had to start with Show No Mercy, Haunting the Chapel, Live and Dead. There are no certifications for those albums. Brain and Blood, 500,000. 94 US Billboard, 47. In the UK, so seven off getting into the radio one top 40, not too bad. South of Heaven 57, 500,000 sold, so it's gone, it's gone gold. Um, Seasons in the Abyss 40, 500,000 sold. So Slayer don't seem to do much over about half a million per album, yeah. Uh, and it's the same with Anthrax, Among the Living was 62, Persistence in Time was 24, and they're all uh, State of Euphoria 30. They're all half a million units shipped each. So obviously Metallica way out in front, Megadeth a second. Um, but there's that definite trend that as you get up towards like the Clash of the Titans tour, they're all in the in the top 30. They're all selling 500,000 plus. And that's that's it's it's interesting that Anthrax and Slayer had similar sales at that time because obviously Anthrax after that kind of went massive then and they were headlining arenas by themselves and they were they were starting to go into the millions but through the 80s they stayed fairly level with Slayer but they are obviously more accessible than Slayer so I kind of get why you know they, they started to get bigger sales going into the 90s but you know it's but half a million albums I mean if you were to offer them that now any of those bands they'd bite your hand off so that's how things have changed yeah but what, the, were your, what were your 10 albums? Look, I, I, I don't have 10 definitive albums. I've got to be honest with you. I was relying on YouTube to come up with the content. So, <laughs> so because uh, I'm not unemployed anymore. So, um, I, I, I personally, I, I can't really argue with Ant 10. I really can't. I, there might be the odd one or two in there that I might bump for something else like i said pyromania hysteria that's that's a tricky one 
I would potentially put Alice Cooper trash in there somewhere, maybe. But other than that, I, th I do think those 10 albums do tell pretty much the full story. Funny enough, fun enough at a convention at the weekend, I was wearing a my Pyromania t-shirt uh, before that gig. And I bumped into a woman who was just past pulled me aside and said, oh my God, that's my favourite album. She was in her 50s and she was, you know, she'd been there, but favourite album, but she doesn't like Hysteria. Really? As I mentioned, yeah, she didn't like Hysteria. Let's have a look. Yeah. Too, too produced, too too long, not anthemic enough, um, which I disagreed with, but... So Pyromania shifted 6 million albums in the States, if, we if we're talking about the US alone. Yeah. I mean, Hysteria shifted more, didn't it? And Hysteria shifted 12 million in the US, so they, they, yeah. so they doubled, over 20 million worldwide. So that obviously, from a commercial point of view, took them to another level, but... yeah. I think I, I agree with you in the fact that Pyromania kind of defines that sound more so than Hysteria does. So, so yeah. So, so, so what, what are we going to end this on? Are we going to end this on the fact that I'm right with Appetite Destruction being the definitive starting point for 80s rock and metal, or have you got an argument for something else? And I do think Slippery When Wet comes a close second. I think it's a gate gateway, but I think, I think if we're talking metal, I, I, like I say, I think... Um... I think those both three certainly appetite number and puppets. Yeah, if I had to settle for three, I think you've got good arguments for either of them. All right, let's 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 go with the three then. The uh, the in the abyss three most definitive eighties rock and metal albums. Is he going to agree with it? He's looking into space. No, no, I think I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I these I I. I I have a problem with the, the use of the word definitive, but um, I think if you were going to get... I couldn't think of a better word. If, that, you, that if you were going to... If you were going to... If you gave those three albums to someone and said, if you want to know what the kind of music that I'm about is, listen to these three and get back to me, I think... That would be that would be fair enough. I mean, if if the 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 thing that we've overlooked is nothing that we've spoken about, kind of leans towards the more extreme end. So, I mean, we haven't mentioned Morbid Angel, we haven't mentioned Death, we haven't mentioned Carcass, we haven't mentioned Napalm Death, um, and so I considered Scum. I did consider Scum in the same way as I considered Venom. All right, so, so let's quickly touch on that then. If, if we're going to talk extreme metal, what would be the definitive extreme metal album? Because bear in mind that metal in the 80s, you know, even Metallica were considered extreme at one point. So, I mean, sorry, you've got to consider Rain and Blood is, is an extreme album. Yeah, 100%. It really is, you know, so, yeah. you know, that, that's, that has to be high. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I mean, yeah, Venom's, Venom's influence. I don't think the music is good enough. I really don't. I think it was a. I think people. I think the influence was the aesthetic and the shitty production that appeals to people more than the songs. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not into it, but I think I think there's a much bigger case for scum than there is for either of those two two Venom albums. Um, I would agree with you, to be honest. So I think I think Napalm Death. You know, they, they, 
they did their own thing, didn't they? They 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 marched to the beat of their own drum. They were yeah, you know. And you got to remember how big death metal was over the lot of the next five six years. Say so big, yeah. how you know the the popularity it attracted it, it, across the mainstream. It was bizarre. You know, you had extreme noise terror on fucking brit awards for goodness sake. That's true. Jamming with a KLF. And I think maybe not not quite having the same imagery as, as your deaths and your, you, you know, obituaries maybe benefited them. Um, you know, something like Scream Bloody Door is going to be quite, maybe it's just too too far, too far for someone sort of trying to get into it. But Scum, you know, short, sharp shocks, brutal. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not as au fait with grindcore and death metal as maybe you two are. But I think, you know, when you consider their place, especially, you know, they were played on John Peel shows and yeah, punks liked them. They, they had a cross, cross appeal. Yeah, yeah, they did. I think if, if we're going to talk about death, I, I don't think you can say def death defying extreme metal in the 80s because they were just, they, they were on a, on a sort of different echelon to most other bands at the same time. So you can't really say they would define it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think you can go far wrong with Napalm Death. You can they say someone, this is what extreme metal sounded like in the 80s. It, it is Napalm Death. And like you say, even maybe bands like Extreme Noise Terror. So, and maybe bands like Brutal Truth, even, you know, going, going even a little bit more left field. But it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard to define extreme metal in any way, shape, or form, yeah. especially yeah. in the 80s, because. Like you say, Rain in Blood is extreme. Certainly was in 1986. And it still sounds it now, to be fair. So, yeah, well, look, I, I, I you know, it's... We all grew up in the 80s and we love the 80s. And obviously there's, there's loads of 80s nostalgia in that around at the moment. And Stranger Things has just blown that up into, into a whole nother level. So it's, um, it's a fun thing to talk about. Um, hopefully we haven't... We haven't given any spoilers to what happened at the end of Stranger Things, but if we have, should have watched it by now, for fuck's sake. Yeah. It's been on for weeks. But listen, listen, uh, we, we, we've got to move on to something, I'm um, sorry, before we finish. Oh, God, here we go. It's a bit more... Um... I'm going to have a final word for once after you as well, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> I'll sit back. So, on the last episode, it came to light that someone that's contributed to this podcast... I said some serious allegations levelled against them about their choice of concert to go to in North London. Um, and uh, unfortunately, it's it's come to pass that that transgression has been confirmed. So what I'd like to do is propose that at some point in the next couple of weeks, we uh, put the Wolfman on trial. On this, on this, On this podcast, I'd like him to come on. And I'd like him to answer the charges uh, of uh, negligence and um, willful, willful um, spitting in the face of hard rock by going to an Ed Sheeran concert. Okay, now now he's come up with some some very, what I would regard as being very weak excuses. Um, so what I'd like to do is we need to form a jury. Okay, I I, I will put myself forward as being grand inquisitor. Obviously. And if and if he thinks the fucking Spanish Inquisition was bad, he's not seen anything yet. But I'm thinking about you know, we could have some kind of like almost like a Law and Order esque 
you know, uh, detective procedural based on this called Thrashing Death, Criminal Intent, and the two detectives are called Ulrich and King. Um, but no, I think he should. I think I think we need to get him on in the next couple of weeks, and I think he needs to answer the charges. And we'll put a poll on Instagram or something where people can vote whether he's not he's guilty. And if he is guilty, yeah, you're right. The listeners, the listeners can be the jury. If, if he is guilty, then 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 we'll then we'll come up with a sufficient uh, punishment. But yeah, there will yeah. be some form of retribution. Because this this cannot go unanswered. So there, there you have it, he Wolfman. You you're coming on. You've been summoned. It's not an invite. It's not a request. It's a summons. Heinous crimes against metal law. So we will make that happen. And we this this will be a kangaroo court to the extreme. So let's yeah let's let's make it happen. On that note, and you want the final word? Yeah, yeah, bigger challenge. 10 definitive 90s metal albums. Oh, fuck those. <laughs> fuck those. Hybrid theory. Uh, no, that was, that was 2000s. Oh, fuck. Oh, just, before we do that, can you please go away and read a dictionary and find out what definitive means? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're, we're not going to do definitive 90s albums next week, but we probably will do at some point. Um, what are we going to do next week? Tell, tell the people, tell the the the... the the global audience that we have, what are we going to do next week? And let's, let's try not talking about the true opinion. We need, we need to stay away from album lists. I know we've got some of those as a potential conversations for the future, but not next week. We're going to talk about the working class roots of metal. Yeah. Actually, that's, 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 what, that's a point I was going to make earlier about Bon Jovi. Working class New Jersey lads, definitely, definitely relevant. But yeah. Okay, so so there you have it. So next week we're going to talk about the working class roots of metal, which if you go right back to the start, right back to the, to the late sixties and early seventies, fairly obvious. Um, without a factory accident in Aston in nineteen sixty eight, we may never have Black Sabbath. So come, come, my children, sit under Padre's learning tree. Please, please don't call our listeners your children. <laughs> My yeah. disciples. This is, this is not the BBC in the late 70s and early 80s. Listen, listen, listen. You know when Jesus of Nazareth did the Sermon on the Rock and gave the <laughs> uh, gave, his, gave his followers fish and bread? This will be next week's episode. My followers yeah, will come. I'm, I'm not aware of that because fiction. They will, they will be instructed. You're not Jesus. I'm not. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm the next best thing. <laughs> All right. On that note, let's let's call it a night. Next week, working class roots of metal. This week, I think we've had enough. <laughs> Jesus needs to go back on the cross. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs>